0: Find out what's up okay we're looking at impact 2018 we are ready to kind of round up uh round off this whole thing i was for wow i tell you you guys are really getting on to this i is for invest to invest our time talent treasure and our compassion in the lives of other people that means you're gonna take some time to do this oh by the way uh, making that phone call that we just talked about would be a way to invest in somebody else, all right? So that's a good way to spend that I. M stands for minister. God has gifted every single one of us. All of his children are gifted by God for a purpose, and that is so that you might minister to the church and minister through the church to others. And so take your gifts and put them to work. So make an investment. Minister to those around you. And then P is for... Pray so that the house is shaken. Men ought always to pray. And so uh, let's get in the habit of praying. We have a prayer chain here that, uh, you know, people can get on and start making phone calls and start looking at emails and text messages. And we can get a lot of people praying in a very short amount of time. And so when you have something, now listen, hear me up, hear me out. This is about things that need immediate prayer, all right? The prayer chain is not for... Uh, You know, a week from this Thursday, I'm going to have a toenail removed. No, that's not uh, what the prayer chain is for, right? It's for things that need quick and immediate attention from the Lord and from God's people. So uh, use the prayer chain wisely, but uh, let's use it and get people praying. And then A is for add to your faith. We looked at uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. Add to your faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brother kindness, charity. And if i left something out i apologize patience was in there someplace we should add these things to our faith it's not enough that we're saved it is great i mean it is enough that's going to take us to heaven but to whom much is given much is required and so god wants us to do something with what we have and so we add to our faith which brings us then to see as we're adding to our faith then see we conform or change conform to the image of his son we allow God to change us. It is not enough to say, okay, this now I know, and this I know, and this I know. In fact, that's actually a dangerous thing to do. Because to, the more we know, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. That's what the Bible says. And so, as we're adding to our faith, now then we let God conform us into the image of his son. And that brings us to our T, as we're going to uh, look at John chapter 4. Let's take a look at verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Father, we ask that you would help us now as we look at your word together, that we would uh, grow through it, that we would be challenged by it, that God, we would not hesitate to allow you to have your way in our lives through this passage of scripture today. And Father, we'll thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name, amen. I love that phrase right there where it says that he must needs go through Samaria. Now, the idea is in order to get from, where, from here to where I want to go, I kinda have to go through Samaria. But there's also another aspect of this in that God, the God of heaven, is sovereignly making sure that there's a need that's gonna be met right smack dab in the middle of Samaria. That's the story that we're going to look at. You know this story very well. In fact, you actually know a song about this story. So let's sing it together, okay? As I start it, you'll say, oh yeah, I know this. Like the woman at the well, I was seeking for things that could not satisfy. And then I heard my Savior speaking draw from my well that never shall run dry. Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up, and make me whole. That's the song that's from this passage, and we're gonna look at this woman at the well. First of all, I want us to learn something. What we're gonna learn today is how Jesus would witness. The T, can anybody figure this out yet? Tell, tell is what the word we're gonna use. We wanna tell the world, right? We need to speak and proclaim so that all can hear and know. And Jesus is going to give us the great example of how to be a really good witness right here in John chapter 4. And he starts it out this way. Look at verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Do you know that you're going to heaven? No, that's not what Jesus said. And Jesus said unto her, If you died today, do you realize you'd go to hell? that's not what Jesus said. Look at what Jesus says. Give me a drink. Huh? This is how Jesus starts the witnessing scenario to the woman at the well. And I want us to really learn something here from the Lord, right? Would you agree with me that God, that Jesus is a really good example for us to follow? In fact, that the Bible says that God gave Jesus to us so that we might follow in his steps. Let's learn something about witnessing here. You know, I I know that there is a confrontation moment and Jesus is gonna get to that. But it is very difficult for the first time that you and I see someone, the first seconds of our conversation, for that to be the confrontation moment. I'm not saying that sometimes that's all you've got. I know. I'm aware that sometimes that's it. You're only gonna have a 15 second conversation with this person and you may really need to jump right to the chase. But when we have an opportunity, then we need to follow the pattern that Jesus sets up for us here. And the first thing Jesus says to this woman is, give me something to drink. And I want to show you what Jesus does. Jesus makes a statement that demands a response from this woman. He encourages her to get involved in the conversation. Because look what happens in the next verse, verse nine. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, ask us a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, that don't, that, this won't work for you and I, right? I'm well aware that, as far as I know, there's no Jews sitting here waiting to go talk to a Samaritan this week. I'm aware that this conversation wouldn't play itself out exactly. But what Jesus does is, he starts the conversation with something that encourages actual conversation right? He doesn't start the conversation with, sit down, listen, I have something you need to hear. He actually engages this woman in conversation. And she is amazed, by the way, and not because he is the Savior, because she doesn't know that yet. She's not amazed because he's a prophet or because he's done anything miraculous. She's amazed that a man, a Jewish man, would speak to a Samaritan woman. During this time period, men and women, you know, that was an un- unheard thing. You know, and then Samaritans and Jews got along like, you know, oil and water. They just didn't mix together. Samaritans are, to the Jewish mind, half breeds They're half-Jew, half-Gentile. And uh, so there's this animosity already between these two groups of people. And so the fact that Jesus starts up a conversation amazes this woman. And so Jesus engages this woman in conversation. But let's see what he does next. Not only does he kind of demand a response in the first thing, but now he's going to demand a question. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. Now, at this point, she could have said, Okay, here's some water, and been done, right? She could have stopped stopped the conversation she could have done that but what what Jesus has done is kind of there's a lot of questions can you think of some questions that this woman might have what who are you because if you knew who I was you'd be asking me for water and what you're going to give me water that's living water what are you talking about there's all kinds of questions that should automatically pop up in this lady's mind as Jesus is witnessing to this woman he doesn't start with the obvious he really kind of engages her in conversation. And the next step, now, it's more than, more than just engaging her in conversation. She is asking him to converse. Do you see how this works? Jesus has made a response that demands either she has two choices. I really don't want to know. Here's your water. Get out of my life. Or what are you talking about? Now, that would be a great response when you're in the middle of witnessing someone, wouldn't it? Hey, tell me more about what you're talking about. Great response. As opposed to a rolling of the eyes, I wish you'd just shut up and leave. Right? Jesus is giving us a great example of how to be a good witness. Listen to what happens in verse 11. The woman said to him, Sir, that was nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. From whence, then, hast thou that living water? Art thou greater? Than our father Jacob, which, by the way, what is the answer to that question? Yes, but she doesn't know who she's talking to yet. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? So now she has a whole list of questions. I mean, she is not only did Jesus kind of draw her into conversation from the very beginning. But now he has made a statement that is so provocative that there's this whole list of questions for her. What are you going to use to draw with? What is this living water you're talking about? Are you somebody greater than Jacob? You know, are you, can you actually do more than just give yourself a drink? Can you actually give all the children a drink? I mean, look at all the questions that Jesus has, has gotten from just this one little statement that he makes. Next, look what he does. He reveals her need. Like the woman at the well, I was seeking for things that could not satisfy Jesus. Jesus is recognizing, you know what? The people we run into this week, they are in need, would you agree, of a Savior? They're in need of someone to love them enough to tell them about Jesus, would you agree? You're going to see several people this week that are thirsting and they don't even know what they're thirsting for, that are seeking and they're not even certain what they're seeking. Here's Jesus, and so he's going to reveal her need. Take a look at verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh this water shall never thirst again. See, she's seeking, and she doesn't even realize it. She's thirsty. She's sitting here already, by the way. She's already at the well. She has something to draw water with. She has already been getting water for her camels. She doesn't even realize she's thirsty. Jesus is going to help her to realize that. He says, Whosoever drinketh this water shall never thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, I'm sorry, shall thirst again, but shall never thirst. And the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into life everlasting. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water. All of a sudden, it begins to dawn on this woman. Wow. He's got access to something that I really do want. It's no longer a matter of, you know, sit down, listen, you're lost, you need this, it's my job to tell you, so just listen. No. He has so turned this conversation around that she is now saying, please tell me about this water. Please give me some of this water. Because he's shown her that you have a need. You're thirsty and you don't even realize it. Listen to what it says in the next p- passage. Because This is where it gets, this is the confrontation. Jesus points out why she's in need. Jesus says to her, go, call thy husband. Now, I'm aware that Jesus is Jesus and he knows something about this woman that we don't know yet, at least not yet in this story. We don't know it, right? So he is actually using his godly trait here to know something we don't know but you and I in talking to people do we know that people are sinners in need of a savior and it's not that hard to make a leap from that truth to a specific need of people's lives and here's what Jesus is going to do Jesus is going to simply show her you know why you're so thirsty and why you're searching so much Because sin has left you damaged. Listen to what he says. Go, call thy husband, come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast, the guy you're living with right now, isn't your husband. In that thou truly, thou saidest truly. Jesus says, "You you know why you're searching, why your soul is so thirsty? Because sin has a grip on your life. Jesus does he points it out I mean he has already engaged this woman in such a conversation that she's literally saying please please tell me about this living water and Jesus is pointing out why she needs the living water it is difficult for someone to accept Christ as their Savior if they don't need realize that they need a Savior right as we're walking people through the Romans Road which is a great thing to do but as we're walking people through the Romans Road one of the things we always pound, point out is that people need to know they're a sinner before they can be saved, right? You have to know that you have a need. And so we like to take people to the passage, you know, Romans 3.23, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And that's, that is absolutely fine. It is to do that. I think sometimes we jump on that part a little prematurely and we scare people off sometimes if we're not careful. Jesus gives us an example. Let's engage these people in conversation and let's somehow make that conversation to where they're wanting us to tell them, you have to be somewhat creative to be a really good witness. You really do. I mean, this isn't something that just happens. This is something that we must work at a little bit here. You know, and I know that, again, I know sometimes it's just that 15 seconds that we have, but let's be creative. And so Jesus does this and now he points out, here's why you need a savior. Here's why you are so thirsty. Here's why life has left you empty because sin has gotten such a grip on your life and you can't find happiness, comfort, contentment, peace anywhere. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're living with now isn't your husband. It's it's eluding you. You're missing it. And this lady just keeps being drawn in and drawn in to what the Savior has to say. Now, in the next passage, he corrects something for her. You see, this is what's going to happen most of the time when we're witnessing to people. We start the conversation, we get it going, and we finally start getting to understand why they need a Savior. And they'll say something like this, well, I go to church. Right? You ever had that happen? Well, I've been, I was baptized when I was, you ever had that happen? Or you know what, I'm actually, I know I do some bad things, but I'm actually a pretty good person. You ever had that happen? It's that misunderstanding of what the truth is. And that's what this lady does. She, she walks right into it. Look at verse 19. Uh, she, she said, the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers, meaning her Samaritan fathers, worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place that men ought to worship. In other words, she's saying, Listen, I know that's what you think, but this is the way we are. This is the way we worship. We worship over here, you guys worship over there. She has a misunderstanding. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. She has a misunderstanding of what the gospel is all about. And so Jesus is going to help her to through this misunderstanding. Take a look at verse 21. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem. Hey, listen. It is not about religion. It's not about this mountain and that mountain. It's not about that denomination and that denomination. You understand? It's not about religion. He says, there's coming a time when neither in this mountain north yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. You have some misunderstanding th- uh, here. What, what We are? We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh and now is. When the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. And God, Christ begins to open up the door for hope for this woman. And the Father seeketh for those who will believe and those who will step through and worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him most worship him in spirit and in truth. And then, listen, to the message is given. Verse 25. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell me all things. And Jesus now speaks very plainly to her. As he says to her, "I that speak unto thee, am He." See how this works? Jesus got the conversation going, and literally from that point on, the woman is actually the one kind of guiding the conversation. Please tell me more. Well, here's what I think. Oh, here's the truth. And and all of a sudden, Jesus brings her. You are a sinner. You need you need something. You're thirsty. You don't even realize you're searching. You're a sinner, and this is why you're thirsty. Why you're searching. Because sin has left you empty. And oh, by the way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus puts it right out that I am he. I am the Messiah. Kind of a little uh, in between here, all right? And uh, because there's two groups of people, there's three, three people that are going to be represented here. One is Christ, of course the one giving us the example of how to be a good witness. There's going to be the woman who follows Jesus' example and becomes a good witness. You'll see that in just a moment. And then there are those people who are already following Jesus. Now, you would think at this point, when Christ has just had this great opportunity to share the gospel with this Samaritan woman, that the disciples would be praising God, right? Well... Hang on tight. We do not want to be like the disciples. Look at verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or, Why talkest thou to her? You know, they walk up on this conversation and they're they're stuck on the fact that Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. What? I can't believe Jesus. What if, what if you walked up on your pastor talking to a, a, um, a woman of ill repute? How would you respond? About the Lord, by the way, not other things. You might respond differently, I understand that. That's, that's kind of the picture that you get here. God's people who should be rejoicing are actually kind of offended. How dare Jesus... Talk to this Samaritan woman. Doesn't he realize? We've had this scenario played out before in Jesus' life. Do you remember? Well, not yet. It'll play out again later on. But it was a different group of people who were in shock. Doesn't Jesus realize who this woman is that is washing his feet? Remember that story? Who was it that was thinking that about him then? Pharisees, right. Right now, the disciples are playing the role of the Pharisee when they should be praising God that sinners are hearing the gospel. And it's, it is difficult. You know, we we have through our church ministries to bikers and prisoners, and some of those people make you feel uncomfortable. Get over it. I don't know what to tell you. This is who God's called us to go to. Do you understand? The Samaritan woman, this one that the disciples were like, I can't believe he's talking to her. Yeah, that's exactly right. But praise the Lord, the woman didn't pay any attention to them. Take a look at verse 28. The woman responds, And the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Oh, we need to interject the disciples back in here again. Take a look. In the meantime, while his disciples prayed him, not prayed to him, they begged him, Master, eat. They're missing the whole point. Do you get this? I mean, Jesus is in the middle of something really important. Jesus is trying to witness to this woman about her eternal soul. And first of all, they're offended that he's talking to her. And then all they can think is, oh, let's, let's make sure that we get the master to eat. Look at, look at how Jesus responds to the disciples. But he said to them, I have meat that ye know not of. Therefore, his disciples said one to another, did, did somebody bring a sandwich? <laughs> What's he talking about? They don't get it. They're not, it's not connecting that Jesus is carrying the gospel to someone who needs to hear it. And the disciples are still stuck on all of this. Jesus saith unto them, verse 34, my meat, the thing that is really important, not food, is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say ye not therefore, yet four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. The idea is this, there is somebody in your life I'm, I'm all about you picking up and going and becoming a missionary someplace. That'd be great if that's, what, if that's what God calls you to do. But the truth is, you don't have to go anywhere to find people who need the gospel. Just open your eyes. Look up. The field, by the way, if, real quickly, just a, another little sermon, sermonette in here. If they weren't looking up, where were they looking? Down. Or. Around. Or. Or. At themselves, where they're not looking is up. Look up. Just look up. Open your eyes. The fields are wide already into harvest. There are people in your life right now. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything special. All you have to do is open your eyes. There are people in your life who need the gospel, who need someone to tell them about Jesus, and who need to quit being distracted by stuff. Oh, uh, I'm not sure I can talk to that person. They're not the right kind. Or, uh, you know, I I might talk to them, but let's eat first. Let's, Let's take care of this business over here first. And Jesus says, it's time that we just look up. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Verse 38 says, or verse 37 says, And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. But verse 38 says, I sent you. Now he's talking to his disciples. Now he's talking to followers of Jesus. Is that you this morning? Are you a follower of Jesus? Listen to what he says to his followers. I sent you to reap. Wow. I sent you to reap. That is our job. I sent you to reap. Go down to verse 39. We'll finish it up. This is where it all gets good. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him, why? For the sayings of that woman, of the woman. You see, the woman learned really well how to be a witness. The disciples, they're still struggling. They're surrounded by Samaritans who need the gospel, and there's not a single piece of evidence in this story that one of the disciples ever spoke to a single Samaritan. Isn't that amazing? There's too caught up in the politics of it. (gasps) I can't talk to them. They're too caught up in, you know, the the minutia, uh, it's time to eat, it's time to do this. And they're missing the point. Jesus says, I've sent you to reap. And this woman, this new baby Christian, goes out and many Samaritans, Come to Christ because of the sayings of this woman. She learned well how to be a witness. Testifying, he told me everything, all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own words. Boy, in any other setting, Those are shouting words, aren't they? Many Samaritans believed, and many more believed in the next two days. We would call that revival. We would plant a church right there. At least I hope we would, right? The disciples are still missing it. That's what Jesus gives us. Sing you one more song, and uh, then we're ready to go to the invitation. But You know this song. If you want to sing it with me, you're welcome to do that every day they pass me by I can see it in their eyes Empty people filled with care Headed who knows where On they go through private pain Living fear too That just reminds me of all the things we've had happening. We've had uh, two suicides and an an overdose death on Friday for uh, Pastor Soleric's church family, 28-year-old woman. Think about that. Living fear to fear, laughter hides their silent cries. Only Jesus hears, and here's what we need to catch on. People need the Lord people need the lord at the end of broken dreams he's the open door people need the lord people need the lord when will we realize That we must give our lives, for people need the... Heads bowed, eyes closed.